Ballado, the Story Save podcast. I'm Erin Bobian, Storytellers of Canada's Programming Coordinator and Story Save Program Manager. Today's episode Marie Ann McLean in Conversation Telling and Tenderness in the Prairies. This episode is an edited version of our Story Safe listening party on Marianne McLean's 2009 album, Stories from the Prairies. What is a listening party? Think of it like a book club, but instead of reading, we listen to some of our favorite Story Safe albums from over the years. Our group came together over Zoom to discuss and share their thoughts. Along with our host, Kathy Jessup, you'll hear the voices of Cindy Campbellstone, Susan Charters, Gail DeVos, Diana Draper, Mary Hayes, Melanie Ray, Doreen Vanderstoop, Norman Walker, Heather Whaley, and Mary Wigan. If you aren't familiar with Marianne McLean's album, you can find links to purchase and listen in our show notes. In this episode of the Story Save podcast, we listen in on the listening party. Well, hello, everybody. I'm very excited to be here and just and to see uh, all these faces that I know and uh, that I know know Marianne so well. Um, so I want to say a few things and I'll try to be really, really quick so we can get right into the discussion. Um, just wanted to say that I've known Marianne for uh, more than 25 years, I figure now. Um, and I've been fortunate to listen to her by the hour uh, in many situations, performance situations, telling many kinds of stories. Uh, and in fact, she led our Edmonton Telleround for a number of, of years before COVID. Um, and I have her stick her story stick <laughs> she gave me. Um, she, so she's been an unofficial mentor to me and I, I've learned so much from her. And um, she's so awesome, not just at story crafting, but also storytelling. So very much a master of both of those, which not everybody is, right? Um, and her style is unique. And that's why she was chosen for Story Save, um, no surprise. I thought that uh, it might be logical to start with her thumbprint stories and then her family stories and save the war stories for towards the end. Let's get to you guys and uh, what you want to say about all of this. Anybody want to lead us off? I loved Mr. Lim because I'm from a small town and our Chinese cafe uh, was a very, very important uh, part of our town and our culture. And uh, so she just captured, um, she captured those men who ran the cafe and their loneliness and they're reaching out to the community. And uh, she captured, I forget, the ladies of whatever church saying they would never set foot in that, um, in that cafe. And, and our old cafe um, uh, was adjoining the bar. And the men actually would give Mr. Wong their wallets and they would take their $10 or however much into the bar and he would hold their wallets until they were ready to go home. So I really, that story really resonates with me. Yeah, it resonated with me too. Um, I also grew up in a small town, Thunder Bay. It was Port Arthur at the time. And we had a store uh, at the end of Granville Avenue in our neighborhood. It was a bookstore 
and they sold, you know, um, confectionery stuff. And he had Chinese food, which of course everybody went to. And there was apartment hotel just adjacent where, um, you know, it was the place to hang out. And uh, the gentleman that, that uh, operated the place, he was just such a cool guy, a lot of fun and very open and friendly. And it, I just loved um, the lilt in her voice and how appreciative she was of him. We were appreciative of our, our neighborhood uh, store as well. <laughs> I like hearing from these people who lived in small towns relating to it. I grew up in Vancouver and mostly we had um, Chinese grocery stores, corner stores, convenient, not convenience stores, those came later. I'm talking about uh, the 50s. And we also had Chinatown. And my dad, who was a man who worked in Vancouver proper, knew about certain restaurants you had to go up a lane to get to that were better than the, the ones on the front. And uh, learned how to, I learned how to use chopsticks and had vegetables that weren't overcooked by my Scottish grandmother for the first time. I mean, that's when I learned that broccoli was actually green and really delicious. And chicken that was melting in your mouth. So I have a fondness for Chinese food. I thought about this story that she did something really beautiful with it in terms of you have a situation where there's prejudice and she puts it in there in such a way that it's just part of the cumulative effect. It's strong she's not pulling any punches but the story is what you're focused on and how things unroll amongst the people in the story and I thought she did that really well because I find that I want to include my politics in my stories and I don't want them to get in the way of the stories and she did it really well I felt she did dance around it when she said um, that the women of the town didn't like the cafe because they were bachelors and the cafe would be dirty. And, you know, everybody knows that bachelors spit in the sink or whatever floor or whatever, whatever she used. And that may have been part of it, but it was broader racism than that. But by saying that you got exactly the racism went deeper than that. Right. But she didn't need to say that. She just sort of dipped her toe in. For me, I appreciated because the story stayed front and center. And it was, like you say, a really great image for the rubbish. And then she has that line afterwards about, although if they never went in, how did they know that the sink, whatever it was that was so dirty, or they washed their feet in the, in the spaghetti water or something. Um, Sue, did you want to speak next? I would just say that Marianne is so kind. She describes small town people accurately, perfectly but with a little humor, not laughing at them, so gentle. I, but I was laughing aloud listening to the Thumbprint Fountain. It's hilarious. I also think that her stories, although small town, become more universal, or maybe they just resonate as we're talking about people growing up in small towns. I didn't grow up in a small town, but my spent a lot of time in my grandmother's village, which was too small to have a Chinese restaurant. Expressions that at the end of Mr. Lim, they used to call pneumonia the old man's friend. Well, that's an expression I know from my grandmother and just has a perfect 
sense of timing and it's all in tune completely to small town life and so it becomes more universal I thought that was beautiful I really enjoyed the fountain story as well I used to work in politics I worked on Parliament Hill so I have been to many many a political event and um, there's always lots of potential for things to go wrong <laughs> you know I, listening to these all these stories I thought a lot about Stuart McLean um, and, and I thought about, you know, how, how it's so beautiful what she did, because she really truly is a storyteller. He was a great story writer and a great story reader, but he was not a storyteller. And so she was, you know, to me, she was like the whole package. She was just an amazing, you know, she is, she's not gone, but I'm just talking about the CD in particular, that she just did such a masterful job of writing the stories, crafting the stories. And, um, and then being able to tell them the way that she did as well, uh, you know, in the oral tradition, I think is really masterful. I was just looking around the, the room here and, and realized I'm probably, possibly be the only one here who's actually lit, uh, grew up in Saskatchewan in a small town. She did get so many of the details right on, like many people have commented some in fact and some in, in uh, implied and I have a particular fondness for this co uh, collection. I, I was involved in the uh, story uh, save committee for a long time and particularly in the time that this was chosen and, and uh, in my humble opinion this by far is, is the best of uh, any of those projects that, that we produced. Uh, the other thing I guess I wanted to say about this not necessarily just about the thumbprint story but the the whole CD. Um, uh, because I live in Saskatchewan and the distance is fairly large and I tend to, uh, I still maintain my uh, my property two hours outside of Regina so I'm still part of that small town and I spend a lot of time on the road and I found that listening to this particular collection on the road is really good companion. If you go if you're planning a drive for an hour or two just take this with you it'll just carry you along and the, the miles pass very quickly and pleasantly mary um i have to admit that when i started to listen to the cds i was a little taken aback by the name of the town being thumbprint i was i was so thrilled with how much respect she showed both for the communities and for the the people populating them and with a character like mr lim i mean he was really living like a fish out of water in a lot of ways in his lifetime and and there were these little moments of grace in his life that showed how things might move forward for other people coming up behind him and that sort of thing and I thought she just did that really really beautifully really beautifully and I love her voice her delivery is it's so clear but it's gentle and it's lilting and and her voice just oozes the love and respect for uh, her characters whether they're real people um, in her family or in this mythical little town. Loved it. One of the things that we, I love about the thumbprint stories is that although they're universal, they're very specific to the prairies, 
in many in many ways uh, she's telling us our stories or that's how i feel anyways i mean i know other people from heather you're getting it you're not on the prairies but at the same time and and i'm sure cindy you too from further away but but they were still there's that prairie aspect to it that that delighted me so much always yeah, I just wanted to say that although her stories are so true to that small town and the people are so true, her voice and well, not just, I mean, physical voice, but her her attitude towards it and is so much nicer than the way the people in that town would tell those stories. Because me, people in small towns tell stories often in a cutting way. Oh, so and so, you know, and and. and Marianne just says, well, he was a guest of the government after each of those incidents. <laughs> <laughs> so it just, she's just, uh, yeah, she loves them all and it's great the way it comes through. Oh, this is awesome, you guys. Um, I'm just going to move us along uh, to the family stories because, um, well, first of all, my favorite story, The Perfume of Pears is one of them, oh. um, and, and the concert. And I chose both of these. I, I think I've heard the word tender used uh, earlier today, and I think they're both very tender stories. And one is from her mother's childhood, and the other is from Marianne's childhood. So I wondered if people had any thoughts about the concert uh, and or The Perfume of Pears. Tenderness is, is a lovely word for it. Um, but I, you know, it's, it's love. It's the, the, the strength of the love that comes through in that story. And whether you're talking about the love of that person who brought her into the concert and said, you're coming in to listen, um, or, or the love of her father, you know, bringing home the treats and bringing home that, that stove so that she could cook and, and do the canning outside just such incredible love you know that it was obviously a, the foundation of her life and it's it's just such a lovely thing to listen to in this crazy crazy world where we don't have enough love going around um th those stories really really affected me because I, I my heart was just warmed by um by the sentiments that uh, that were expressed the love that was expressed in those stories and the way she um, gently alluded to her mother's depression after losing the baby. Uh, she just does that so tenderly as well. And you get the whole, she said her mother was flat. I think that was her words. And I just, oh, wow, that just really hits me. Melanie? I could really see by the words she chose to describe her mother, a small child witnessing what was going on. I don't know how old she really was, but... It wasn't a full adult. And the choice of language made that very real to me. That's one of the reasons that I really like Perfume of Pears. My experience of Rianne was that she billeted me more than once when I came to town, to, to Edmonton. And, and also hearing her tell Deirdre of the Sorrows and just blown away by that story. I could hardly talk afterwards. And you all know I'm such a talker. So I think she was very good at being the child when needed in terms of language. It reminded me that um, I, I stayed with uh, uh, Marianne uh, too when I was in Edmonton and she billeted Max Tell and I. I don't know if those of you who remember Max Tell. And I just remember one of the 
best memories I've ever had was sitting around her kitchen table and listening to Marie Ann tell story after story after story. She was a school teacher, so she understood kids really well. And I could see that in her stories, especially the, the story of um, the concert. She really, I thought, captured the feelings of the child there, you know, being basically abandoned and not being allowed in. And I just, I really loved the way she delivered certain lines, like, but I have my sixpence, you know, I have my sixpence. And it's just by saying that, she said so much. And I really, really felt for that child because they had their sixpence, but no one would let them in. And I did, and the cruelty of adults sometimes to, you know, ignore someone like a child like that who, who you know, legitimately is there but they're not being permitted to participate because of an adult decision that they, they're not allowed in. And then to make fun of her too, you know, the whole making, making fun of her in the corner, like who is that child kind of a thing. And then for the man to come out and just like sweep her up in his arms and take her in, I just, it brought a tear to my eye because I, I really felt for the child. And the, and the same thing, with the child's version of um, or experience, as Melanie was saying, with the mother too. She, she, Marianne is a really good way of connecting with kids and understanding them. And she told a story after story after story about her teaching experience, and I was just gobsmacked. I was like, a question, Cindy. When she was just sitting around her kitchen table talking, were the stories the same? In what way were the stories the same, or were they different? Did she have a different? style of telling or was that just really natural for her like, it was natural she had a natural way of storytelling i think like max and i sat there like spellbound as she as she told story after story and i mean she would pause now and then to get a tea or whatever and we would tell a few stories too but she was it you were naturally drawn to her and her voice i think it was her voice and just the connection that she made you know, with everybody. It was just, for me, it was one, a very special, it made me reevaluate my own storytelling because I, I understood that she was really good at what she did. And I started thinking a little more about my stories and how I might tell them. And then actually listening to this CD, same thing happened. I started thinking, wow, she really wove that in well. As Kathy said about the, the man who she, she wove in, the guy nobody would listen to, that kind of thing. I thought, yeah, she's she's a master at it. She really is. I really uh, admire her for that. And so, kind of like yeah. a good comedian, she would throw a line away like like she didn't have any thought to it. And an example is uh, yeah. in the Thumbprint Fountain when she talks about the new mayor being, um, I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget, a big city boy, urban kind of fella, born in Moose Jaw and raised in Swift Current. <laughs> uh, Mary? Yeah, in Perfume of Pears, Again, it's what you're talking about. It's the understated. She talked about how when they count pairs, she had these uh, specific jobs. And it was funny that, that there was always one piece of pear extra for every jar that her mother would just put to the side. But the, the one that really showed the love of pears and the image of Marie Anne, who really is like an elf, out behind the barn eating the pear peelings yeah. that the chickens never got those peelings I mean 
again, very understated, but that little detail, I, I could just see her doing that. So, so it was the little things and the, you know, you, you could just see those bottles of cold Coca-Cola and you just knew how depressed mom was when she didn't want her Coca-Cola, right? And the child's seeing that and understanding that was a really sad time. It just, it's beautiful. And, and recently Kathy had um, her uh, recording a version of Perfume of Pears and it's, it's, it's a much scaled down version, but it has its own very special beauty to it. So it, it's really amazing you know, as we age and how our stories change and how our styles change. And, um, um, you know, so for me to see Marianne as a little girl, and then recently um, I did visit her in Red Deer as, um, as one of our elders, it's, it's amazing. Did anyone catch um, in that Coke uh, part of the story where he brings home two Coke and he said, and it's a treat, right? And he says that he, he doesn't, he doesn't have one. He, he, you know, he's not thirsty. And then at the end of the story, they bring out three glasses and they split the bottles. Yeah. And again, that's just the kindness and the love, right? It's like, we're sharing, we can only afford two bottles of, of Coke and we're sharing them. Um, if anybody has one last thing they want to say, I, I really want to save time for the war stories, but I did suggest Corporal Jack McLean's story because that is her father, the D-Day landing, what it was like to be in the water was really his story compared to the other war stories and I thought that was quite a segment and then also the ice cream story just because it was something lighter um and uh, you know the amazing reunion 50 years later but really any of those stories you guys they're they're all amazing in their own way the prisoner of war stories and, and whatever so I'll just throw it open and uh, we'll go till we run out of time <laughs> Sue she has more skill I think than anyone I have heard at imagining the detail of an incident where she wasn't present, but she fills in that sense of, so that you see so much, both in the family stories and in the war stories. She's able to do that. I'm very impressed. I'll, I'll just tell you, uh, Sue, that made me think how she went to the D-Day uh, 50th anniversary with her father's regiment, right, with the, the families. So she, they were on buses and she would sit with those men, her dad's friends on the bus and, and they would tell her stories. And one of the things Marianne always said is when some, you're interviewing someone and you ask them about the war that you just say, tell me about the war, they won't tell you, right? But if you say, were there chocolate bars? Did you ever have chocolate bars in the war? Then you get a story. What were your shoes like? You know, then you get a story. And ice cream was her way in, in that story, right? Her dad, if he didn't want to talk about the war, she could ask him about ice cream and out came that story in Belgium. But she got those from the guys on the bus and they trusted her. They just said, please remember the, not necessarily my name, but make sure you put in the name of so-and-so. And that was very, and that's why she lists those names is she promised them that they would be remembered. But also the idea that her dad was wounded worse than he realized, right? And the adrenaline keeps you going and it isn't till later you go, oh, actually I have a, my leg is shot, you know? Like all of that, that was just delivered, like her way of, of, of was kind of matter of fact, right? But you'll notice that her voice in numerous stories and especially the war stories too, it quavers at times, right? It's, it's difficult material. And Marianne used to, in her workshops, discuss, um, you know, how do you not cry when you can tell? And there's times when you can almost feel she's gonna cry in, in a story. And her, her tip to us, I remember, and I tell people this, is she would just say, well, remember, it's okay to pause. 
and collect yourself. The audience needs that. Remember to breathe. Um, and then she would say, rehearse the hell out of that part. She would say, rehearse that part over and over and over until those words lose some of their power. They're going to have enough power to make an impression, but they will lose their power over you not being able to finish. And so occasionally, even with, even with all of that, she'd get to telling a story. And, on a, and we all know that you can tell a story many times. And then one time you tell it and for some reason you're choked up and you can't finish. It just hits you on that day. And sometimes I would see her almost lose it, but she just had that ability to go to the edge and power through. And I think the war stories, we, we see that, we hear that, right? Coming through, this must be my observation. Those war stories were so important to her. They were absolutely, you know, the, the, a center. So she would work through it, definitely, because of that. Mary, did I see your hand? When I was listening to Marianne's stories, I thought it'd be so lovely to capture that sort of secondary, I guess you could call it, material. She's been told the stories by people, but she embraced them so fully and brought them so much to life and the details that are included and the humor. I mean, it's they're rounded. It's not just all, you know, war is a terrible thing. And you gather people to you more by changing the emotions and the mood a little bit as you go along, because that's how those fellas kept themselves going, I would imagine, in many, many ways. And those those moments, like with the, uh, the ice cream and stuff, um, uh, the moments 50 years later, when people just somehow miraculously happened to be in the same place at the same moment was just phenomenal. Doreen, did you want to speak? Yeah, I I wanted to um, just I wanted to mention that what Marianne does so well too is she she conveys the drama, but in in you know the ordinary everyday happenings of life and I and I think that's that's just it's an incredible gift to be able to do that right to to convey the drama of war in those in those very you know the little the little moments of life and that's what the ice cream story really did for me thank you Gail and Maria <laughs> well thanks everybody um and thank you Kathy for your work on um on bringing this lovely evening to us. I've really, really enjoyed it. Um, we do have a, a few minutes left and I wondered if there was any other story that anybody had a comment about that they wished that they could say something about. There's just so many on the CD, so. I really also loved her father's story, but there's another one, the, the POW Albert Cook story. And the descriptions Again, the day-to-day -day stuff is was what was giving it the power, but just the descriptions of unexpected help and the dailiness, like the thing about seeing people being driven into the place across the road and never seeing anybody come out, or when he did, it was a body that looked tortured. Somehow she made that, maybe because of her style of being very matter-of-fact, it gave me a sense of how wherever you live, however we are in space and time right away is what we become used to. If it doesn't go away, it becomes ordinary. And, you know, I'm sure after months of being in a prisoner of war camp, there's all these things that you learn about 
your your day-to-day life and not knowing how you're gonna be coming out the other end or if you are so i i just appreciated that story in part because it was talking about stuff i didn't really know that much about my father was at d-day but um he never talked about it until i was leaving home and it was driving him nuts so he was using it more as a hammer than as inform information yeah i think that that sense of the dailiness of being a prisoner of war was well expressed. Cindy, did I see you? Yeah. A couple of stories made me cry because they were just so, so well told and so, so poignant. Thanks. Thanks. And, and I'm done. That's, I've said what I need Thank to you, say. Thank you, Kathy. I appreciate all your comments. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. That's great. That was great. That was great. Yeah. Thank it was you. really good. So Thanks. Much. I love this. I just love it. If you enjoy something, let other people know, and that's how how viewership builds, right? So hopefully this, this series kicks off and starts something beautiful. Marianne McLean still resides in Edmonton, Alberta, and is Storytelling Alberta's Storyteller Laureate for 2022-23. Her album Stories from the Prairies is available on the Storytellers of Canada Concert du Canada website in the Story Save section. You can also hear Marie-Anne as part of Storytelling Alberta's 40th anniversary video series Tribute Tales. Find it on Storytelling Alberta's YouTube page. Links to all of these sources are in the show notes. Since 2002, Story Save has been recording and sharing the work of Canada's master storytellers. The program is supported by Canada Council for the Arts and the Ontario Arts Council. This episode was produced by Erin Bobian, Kathy Jessup, and Heather Whaley, with editorial support from the Story Save Committee, Murray McGregor, Sue Charters, and Selena Eisenberg. This episode was edited by Tamara Filiavich. I'm Erin Bobian. Thanks for listening. <laughs>